Oh, yeah, we're back at it again. Let me tell you something. Shouts to everybody who checked out last week's episode with a Dem Bunkadenko. Listen, I'm a native New Yorker, okay? And I would have never thought in my life that I'd be sitting down with a congressman-to-be, someone who wants to change the way, um, you know, some of this screwed-up world we live in is, okay? Internet voting is important. When I was growing up, I really didn't care about it. But if you want to change the things that are happening in, in your area, in your community, then go out and vote, okay? And if you're from Brooklyn, then make sure you go out and vote for a damn bunker deco looking to change a bunch of shit going on. And I'll be honest with you, really, I'm proud that I could sit here and say somebody who changed their whole life around, somebody that, uh, you know, could have possibly, you know, not be here today. I had a second chance at life, uh, was, able, was able to sit down with politicians and congressmen to be it means a lot to me, Internets, and, and, and I appreciate everyone. You know, uh, one thing I will say is shouts to everybody on the check-in. You know, every week I talk about it for those who are listening for the first time or for people who have been with me since day one, shouts to you. Shouts to Seattle on the check-in. Shouts to Boston on the check-in. Uh, we had Australia. We have uh, Melbourne uh, was on the check-in. International and around the states. Man, shouts to everybody, okay? But you know when I tell you, Open up your Twitter app. Open up your Instagram app. At Premium Pete. At Premium Pete Show. Check the fuck in. Let me know where you're from. Okay? Let me know what episode you like. I want to talk to you. But more importantly, what I want you to do is people who, if you haven't, please do this. Okay? Go to iTunes. Subscribe. Rate. And leave a comment. Okay? Once you, once you, If you haven't done that and you're doing that right now, okay? Open up the podcast app. Rate it. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment, screenshot it, and DM it to me on Instagram at Premium Pete. Okay, whoever does that, man, and you can ask me whatever you want. You want to get me on a phone call? I want to make sure the ratings are going up. If you fuck with the Premium Pete, I know some people stay in the cut and they don't. You know, they may not rate or they may not L- listen. Okay, if you appreciate anything I ever done, okay, rate, subscribe, and leave a comment on the iTunes. Okay, it helps us. Help, listen, help me help you. Help you help me. Same shit, but definitely do it, okay? And if you did do it, jump in my DMs, show me a screenshot, and, and, and let's talk. If you got a podcast, maybe let's jump on a call. If you're having issues uh, with divorce or a single dad or a single mom, maybe I'll give you a call, whatever it is. Uh, but uh, definitely tell a friend to tell a friend. You know, more importantly, I do want to say every week, you know, I try to give the best advice I could give, you know, even knowing that, you know, I always say I'm a perfectionist who's not perfect. But I will say this. This week uh, I um, tweeted and put on Instagram from my late great friend, the you know, the one and only Combat Jack, a.k.a. Reggie Osei. Um, he's told me something one time, and he's said it before on episodes, but he said, don't believe the hype, but more importantly, don't believe your own hype. And I remember when he said that to me, it was like, it always kept me grounded. It always made me sure to believe that even when I was in moments and places that were special, that I never forgot where I came from, that I never forgot to keep an open mind, that I never forgot to think that I wasn't better than somebody. I mean, of course, you try to be great at what you do and you're confident in what you do, but you don't fall into the hype that way you forget what you're doing. Man, I miss that dude. Sometimes I wish I could just call him up and talk to him, but keep people around you like that that let you know. You know, don't believe the hype, but more importantly, don't believe your own hype. Now, don't get it twisted. Don't ever stop believing in yourself, okay? Or don't ever stop appreciating the people who believe in you when you haven't believed in yourself, okay? Because there's times that get rough, and you hear it. 
Yeah, I mean, from, just from the premium peak show, you hear some of the top entrepreneurs, artists, athletes tell you how even they felt uh, like they didn't believe in themselves or, or they felt maybe they didn't, you know, have the most confidence at certain times. But that's what I always tell you. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. Never forget those words, okay? And keep on going on. Let me tell you something. This week's episode is a special one for me, sitting down with the legendary Lord Finesse, okay? Artist, uh, lyricist, uh, entrepreneur, um, um, DJ, just so much. And you know what? I, I and, I, and I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we did an episode with Combat so many years ago that was so special. And, and this is so special. You know, I feel like I couldn't get into everything with Lord Finesse because his journey is so fucking detailed. But I feel like what I did was, and I know Combat's going to smile down on this one, is we got a different side of uh, Lord Finesse. And what makes him tick, and 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 talking about a kid who lost his parents at five, and was raised by his grandmother, and then found 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 the big L, you know, and then him passing away, and and just staying strong throughout that, and keep on creating a person who who made tracks for Biggie and Dr. Dre, and and and, and was his own lyricist and nice as fuck. Internet, let me not let me not take any more time, okay? This is a special episode. Let's get to it. The Lord Finesse episode of the Premium Peace Show. True hip-hop in the motherfucking building. Cheer. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Peace Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Peace Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with the, the one and only, okay? I'm going to say um, producer, artist, or should I say lyricist? Right, lyricist. Okay, lyricist. MC. MC. DJ. DJ, definitely. Uh, uh, record collector. I mean, so many, so many things, man. The, the the funky technician, the one and only Law Finesse is in the building. And on deck, man, here with my man Premium Pete, man. This this has been uh, this been uh, this is like part two of what we left off from before. Sure. God bless with Combat Jack. So, you know, a lot has changed. A lot of different things done hit. You know. You know, I do. I, I do want to say first of all, you know, obviously, always rest in peace to our brother Combat. Um, and that was a special episode. And it's funny because some, sometimes when I want to do episodes now, I want to do them where he could listen and smile down and be proud. Right. And I'll be honest with you, and I mean this, like, fuck hip-hop, fuck everything else for a second. You know, um, just you're a good dude, man, a good supporter. Like, I remember being in the funeral that day and turn around and see you there, um, you know, waiting to uh, pay your respects. And it, and it really, it really um, it speaks loudly of, a you know, somebody who... You know, appreciate somebody while they're here, and while to to send them off too. You know what I mean? I mean, right. it it's just it's it's important to see that man. It was important. It meant a lot to 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 me. Even like I was like, you know, finesse is a real dude, man, for real though. Oh man, I, I appreciate it. I mean, with um combat, it, it was like that interview I did with him was like the first interview I really opened up. Sure, like talk about so many different things and. It was kind of therapeutic at the same time, and as you know, yeah, man. And when I listened to the interview, it was still therapeutic. Sure, sure. So it was like no, that was, that was, 
That was you know, special, man. That that man was special, but it, you, it meant you, something. You, you know, know, you know. Even like we spoke, like we're speaking about, like, um, and this this may not come out around the time we're talking about this, but you know, Jazzy Jeff has uh, something going on. How right. important is it? You're 20 years in the game, 20 plus years in the game, no? Right. How important is friendships, especially in hip hop? Because sometimes I feel like people try to portray many people don't get along. Nah, I, well, I can't speak for anybody else. I know me, relationships are very important. Mm. It's how you treat people. Um, and I think sometimes it's just giving a person a phone call. Sure. It's not even an ask about nothing. It's nothing but, hey, man, you know, I'm just checking in. You know, anybody could tell you who knows me, I'll give you a call like, yo, man, this ain't nothing. I'm just checking in sure, on you. sure. And that means a lot because nowadays when you pick up the phone, people's like, okay, who's there? Okay, what he wants. Yeah, what he wants, yeah. And they'll listen to the conversation and they'll vibe, but ultimately they waiting for that question you're going to ask. Mm-hmm. What did he want? And when you don't ask that question and it was just generally seeing about somebody's well-being, that resonates highly, mm-hmm. you know? You know, because nowadays everything, when people call you, it's a favor. It's a favor. Yo, I need this. Could you do this? Can you this? And it's not not a lot of people that check in to see how you're doing. Sure. Now, I like the way you were talking about Jazzy Jeff and uh, how you were like, yo, I want to, you know, stop by and, 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 and show my love and support. You know, what does somebody like Jazzy Jeff mean to you after all these years in the game? Um, It's, it's, it's weird because I was talking to him Saturday and... It's just crazy that a lot of your heroes or icons or your your mentors that you looked up to, you get to speak to every day or can speak to every day. And that's just bizarre, you Mm. know. But with him, he means a lot because we talk. When we talk, we, we could build for two, three hours and just talk about the industry here and there and where we came from and what it is now and throw a bunch of different concepts and ideas at each other and constantly educating each other. And I think that's very important. Sometimes I call people just to have those it ain't just me conversations, you Mm, know, mm. because certain things that happen in the industry, you might go, it's crazy, and you got to call somebody to verify. This ain't just me, right? Yeah. And and y'all are talking. They go, nah, that ain't just you. I was thinking the same thing. So when you come from, I'll be three generations in as far as decades, you know? So I'm always like a sponge. Mm. I'm always absorbing. I'm not going to always, like I'm not going to agree with everything. Mm. But I'm going to see what's going to work for me and what might not work for me. But I'm never going to just not listen. I'm going to listen. And if it's something not for me, I'll tell you in a minute, no, that ain't for me. I ain't doing that. That's that's crazy. You know, but, yeah, having a person like Jeff and and always building with him, it's just just crazy. It's him. Uh, I could be on the phone with my brother's show. I could be on the phone with Kenny Dope. Um, I could be on. Uh, I don't want to just seem like I'm name dropping. Yeah, yeah but, because then you'll you know, probably forget people too. Yeah, I, I, you know. Has there been people that you met throughout your career that uh, you were like you just said, like meeting like people and becoming friends? And I find that amazing too, because I feel like I experienced that too. People I looked up to, I become friends with later on in life. 
Is there somebody you met that uh, that really like amazed you or surprised? Don't, don't even have to be, even be uh, hip hop. Maybe like nah. I mean, I'm gonna tell you. Or, uh, I'm gonna tell you. Okay, two people then. You know, I'm gonna first of all, I'm, uh, I'm gonna talk about Rich Harrison, the mm, producer. Mm. Never knew Rich. I was out there in 2013 working with Dre, and I met Rich Harrison. At, at a bar or something, Dre was having something. And I met this dude, big fan of Rich. Sure, sure. You know, from the A. Marie music, mm-hmm. from the Beyonce, Crazy in Love. I always thought he was a disgruntled hip hop producer turned R&B because his stuff sounded so hip hop, but he would sprinkle the chords on it and his percussion game was crazy. And he's the one who probably, first time I really had a uh, class Azul tequila we went and took like five six shots and we just <laughs> chatting and we talking about music and that's 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 one of one of my my good friends to this day man i, I love calling them and, and chopping it up with them and it's i like those organic music sure, conversations sure. and somebody i think that's totally left field i would say the comedian Russell Peters. Mm, Russell Peters. That's the second time somebody mentioned him. Uh, Bumpy uh, Freddie Fox, right. Bumpy Knuckles mentioned how, how much love you got for him also. I mean, it's the one for somebody that's so high up in what he does, you know, probably the most genuine person I've ever met. Mm. From, you know, you meet people that are millionaires, you meet people that, you know, might be rich or whatever you call it. Sure. But the the vibe that the, the energy dude gives off, my brother, man, um, it's just mm. just fun, man. It's fun. And it's not nothing fake. You don't have to be fake. You don't have to, you know, he's 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 in comedic mode twenty four seven, man. Russell Peters. Yeah. We could be sitting down talking at breakfast his energy always comes across like, man, he's just crazy. He keeps me laughing. Mm. There's something special, I think, when people are respected, mention other people that they respect. And I heard this dude's name a couple of times, so that's, that's definitely special. Nah, definitely a, a genuine dude from the day I met him mm. till now. You know, even, you know, I was just out in, in Europe. I did 15 dates. That's right. You were, and you, were, you were all over the place. Came home, yeah, 15, 15 dates in 17 days, eight countries, right? Mm. Um, came home for my maybe a day and a half and got on a plane to fly out to catch dude at the Wembley Arena in, in, in the U.K. Mm. You know, just to, I mean, how many people could just do that? Come home, I'm going to redo my luggage, and yeah. I'm going to go hang out in London with Russell Peters for a few days. And and to me, it, it meant a lot because I've seen him put the whole set together. Like, I've caught him in New York. I caught him in Baltimore. I caught him in D.C. So I'm seeing him put these jokes together in set mode. Mm. What works, what don't work, how you like this, what you think of that, and we talking. And then to see it, come together in Wembley Arena and you hearing certain jokes that you've seen them put together, it's just it, it's just wow, you know? You know, it's crazy, too, when you hear, and this is something that I speak about a lot, you know, you're a kid from the Bronx, 
I growing up and and we'll get to you know you you're growing up and your family and stuff like that. But growing up, did you ever picture being in? You know, would you say fifteen different? Would you say seventeen different? Uh, no, nah, it was eight countries. Eight countries, fifteen days. I'm saying, yeah. did you ever picture that? Not, nah, not in a million years. That's why a part of me, I always say, I'm blessed mm. because when you think of somebody that come from the South Bronx, I lost my parents before I hit five. Mm. How did, you know, how I did was that I was raised. Both my parents was murdered. Um, I was raised by my grandmother. You know. I could never in a million years understand being here right now. Mm. And I don't take it for granted because, um, like, dag, man, I'm from the hood. I came from nothing. Mm. I came from nothing. That's why I look at life. How can material things dictate a person's life? You know, you come from nothing. When you was in the hood, we didn't have nothing. Sure. We was happy. So how can money and certain things dictate your happiness when you had nothing? Crazy when you think about it like that. You you, you know you speak about your grandmother raised you. Who who was like a like a father figure in your life? Then did you have like an uncle or a cousin or somebody from the neighborhood or did um, you have anybody? Like I think that? I was raised. Anybody in the projects was raised by the neighborhood, one aspect or another. <laughs> You know, sure. but uh, my grandmother had a boyfriend, and that that made me look at life different, too, because here she is. She's messing with somebody. This ain't her man. Like, they're not married, but he always took time out to make sure I was okay. He wasn't my blood or anything. So, you know, I think that's unique, and I think I inherited certain aspects of what he's done, what he's done for me throughout what I'll do for other people mm. just to know what it is not to have you know what it is to have your grandmother and you know you sitting in front of the building kids going out on a picnic Coney Allen family they jumping in the car and you sitting in front of the building like you know your grandmother probably at work or she can't do that for sure. you you know so of course I have families that did take me under from sure. that aspect but when you look at life when you look at I just look at life so different now and in so many different ways I just think mainly it's just being in the right state of mind and if you're in the right state of mind you can make anything happen I'm a firm believer of that so I mean a firm example of that too you know so now I just think about being in the right state of mind, having the right energy around me. Mm. Not nobody that's going to be a yes person, but people that's going to motivate you like a person like Jeff, a person like Kenny Dope, a person like Show, mm. you know, OG, mm. um, Buck Wild. These are people I talk to without doing during the week. Mm. And it's always something, either watching them or getting some type of insight from them that motivates me you're in the right state of mind and you got great people around you that's pushing you to be great, how can you fail? Mm, mm, mm. Gems. Gems already. We started the episode. You're dropping gems already, Finesse. You know, you, you speak about, uh, you have any kids? Um, I would say, I would say two from different relationships. Once again, it's what I felt my grandfather did for me. So, you know, throughout my career, you know, I dated and, was there, I raised 
my boy since he was five. Mm. So, you know, he's my son. Mm. Last relationship, I've been there since she was 11. She's 21 now. When sure. you end people's lives, you know, regardless if you with that person or not with that person at the end of the day, they grab a hold to you. Sure. You know, so what you gonna say? I ain't I ain't mess with your moms no more. Beat it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't you can't do that. So it's always like if you ever need me, I'm like a father figure in them lives. So if you ever need me, reach out to me. This ain't even about your moms. This ain't about the relationship we had. It's kind of what I felt my grandfather did for me. Sure, sure. You know, and I'm just have they reached out? Of course, yeah. you know we we do the dinners. I I chef up on Thanksgiving, nice. you know. And they you said know, I need them lobster tails for this. They need them. Yeah, lobster I tails. had to take my little man out, you know, and and have a drink with him. He thought he could drink, and so it's like, <laughs> you know, hit him with another shot. No, 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 I'm good. No, you said you could drink. Come on, let's go. You know, yeah. so to have that bond with him, and 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 it's crazy because when he was younger, we hated each other. You know. Mm. Oh, I take this little kid with me every sure, day. Sure. God damn it. You know, and I, I hated him, man, like, because he would get into everything. I'm constantly plucking him and pinching him. And now, you know, for him to sit back and understand everything I did, it was like, you know, it's because the love that I had for him, you hmm. know. And he realized that. And, you know, me and his mom's is cool. Not like that, but, you know. Sure, sure. She that's special for that. That's special, man. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear something like that. You know, it, it, that just shows you where your heart is and what type of character you are. You know, what type of person you are, man. You know, some people forget about other people once they stop messing with a, a certain. You know, uh, I just think money don't change you. Money mm. only magnifies who you truly are. Mm. You know, because I say money change you. No, no, money don't change you. It's just that when you get it, you do what you always wanted to do with mm. it. And if it was to stun on people, then that's what you're going to do. If it's to be generous, that's what you're going to do. I don't think it's going to change you. I just think, you know, like I said, me, I look different. I look at it different because I come from nothing. Sure. So when I really look at life, if you don't like me, you know, I, I shouldn't have to wear accessories for you to like me. Mm. You know, if I have to do all that, then something is wrong. Sure. You're not trying you know, to impress, you, yeah. you living for somebody else's approval. Sure. You know, and that that's an endless journey. Some mm. person ain't going to like you. Yeah, no matter what. No matter what. Can you, you live with that? You know, you, you were you always, were you always like responsible-minded? And the reason why I say that for is I remember you telling us before that, and again, every to each is their own. But I remember you saying like some dudes will work hard for three months just to blow it in one night, like, and you never understood that. I remember you saying something like that, and and that and that hit, that that sat with me because people, you know, and again, you're not telling people when I'm not telling people how to spend their money. It's it's insecurity, right? Mm. I look at it like this, right? You go into a you go into a club nowadays, right? Like me, if me and you go in the club, let's say we get a bottle of Henny, Mm-mm. and we drink this whatever we got, this bottle of Henny we got. Mm. Literally, how much honey can we drink together? Maybe half, half the, the bottle. bottle yeah. Let's say half the bottle. Okay. Twist it. You know, we twist it. So when you see somebody come in there and buy 10 bottles, this nigga is, he's insecure. He's trying to buy attention. Mm. Because if you secure with yourself, 
You can't drink 10. Who's drinking 10 bottles? So you buying bottles for company. You need company. You're lonely. Mm. You know, you ain't coming there. I'll come in a in a spot and I'll just if I get a bottle, I get a bottle. But I'll take my drink and be in the corner. I'll take some <laughs> shots, you know. But I don't some people need that attention. Mm. And that's what I'm looking at when I look at social media and a lot of these different things. People are crying for attention. Mm. You know, and I think if you secure with who you are, don't matter. True. I think social media is a gift and a curse. You know, I think you just touched on the curse of it. But what what has the gift been for you? Like you, you, a lot of fans connected with you. Yeah, you I much definitely there? think the gift is is being able to talk to a lot of the fans that I probably could never reach. Even True. connect with people I lost contact with. Mm. Yo, this is this is Harold from high school. You yeah. know, because to me, I had a lot of friends in high school and. I'm me. I mean, okay, I could be Lord Finesse, but ultimately, Lord Finesse is the dude on stage, you True. know? When I get off the stage, I'm Robert. True. You know, I don't, I can't be Lord Finesse 24 hours, mm. you know? You got to turn that off when you get off the stage, you know? What high school you went to? Uh started off um, junior high school, 120. I went to Park West High School. Mm-hmm. I went to Park West High School to take up electrical engineering. It's crazy. What? Yeah. You could have been in local 31. And, you, and you when I got been, there, you electrician. when I got there, the program was no longer available. Really? So I find myself rhyming in the lunchrooms and mm. the gym. And, Knocking on the table. And, you know, it was crazy because that's where um, I met M.F. Grimm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich Nice was there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people seen it unfold from high school as far as my career. They knew, nah, this dude was rapping forever. So I seen this happening. And then Park West was just too much freedom. Yeah. They was letting us go outside for lunch and shit. I wasn't coming back. You know, we yeah, didn't I had have that much John freedom. Dewey. I went to John Dewey. Mm. Actually, you know, that, that shows like responsibility that I did not have when I was young. I would have a lunch break and then two freeze, and I would have to come back for one class later on. I was like, yeah, I'm home. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, that's I'm where I was. We, you know, I'm going, riding the trains. I ain't, I'm not in school like that. And I lost total focus, and I was about to drop out. And I just remembered, you know, like my grandmother, you know, she could get to me. She ain't, she ain't have to do no violent stuff to me. She could just look at me in a way and just go... Get your shit together, you know. So um, she, I just promised, she made me promise that I would get my diploma. Sure, sure. And when you get the diploma, you could do whatever you want just, after you get just it. Just get that diploma. You know, if it's music, if it's whatever, I'm going to support you. Just get me that. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And I went and got her that. And, you know, I ain't, I, ain't, I wasn't thinking of college. She come that. to the graduation? Of course. She was happy? Of course. I, I just never thought of college, and I always tell cats this, just as a jewel. If you barely made it through high school, why would you attempt to enroll in college? Mm. Like, they praying for you to fuck up in college. Because each semester they're going to they give you that loan, but they praying that you come in there and, and trick off the loan money and come back and fail because you, you're property to them. And mm. they're they going to have interest on you long after your education is done. They're going to get their money. I always tell kids, man, if you really serious about college, then do it. Mm. 
If you saying it because it's the right shit to say to your family and they get all giddy because sure, you say sure. it, then don't do that, man. Take up a skill set, man. You can always take that skill set wherever you want to go in life, mm. wherever. No, I when agree. you got that perf, that, that skill set, if you want to go to Maryland, if you want to go to, to Texas, you could take that skill set wherever. Mm. But that piece of paper, you could take it places, but... Man, people are going to college four to six years to get a job. Yeah. yeah. And not job? even know what they want to do afterwards. You know, it's uh, people with degrees are having hard times getting certain jobs, too. Yeah, That's the crazy and it's thing. based on your academics. Your skill set, if you nice at something, you nice yeah, at yeah. something. Yeah, like, yo, he's a good bricklayer. This dude could build a house in a day. Right. You know what I mean? Or this dude's, like, you see it, even like engineers. Some of them are nasty, man. I'm like, yo, this dude is nice. Yeah, Or man. whoever. You know, like, I'm sure you growing up in how you've seen, exactly, you, you hit it right on the head. But more importantly, what I want to say is you're rhyming young age. You're in, this, you're, you're in the, uh, um, the lunchroom rhyming. But you, I remember you saying how much you admired the DJ. And that's where you became first, was a DJ. Yes. But why sure. were you, like, you were rhyming, why did you choose to become a DJ? Because you could have just, just tried and be an artist or an MC or a rapper. To me, love of music, being able to have the power to mix records together and gather a crowd, and even doing it now, keeping the atmosphere going by the records you're playing, the sets you're playing, that's that's magic, man. That's that's magic. I'm a collector, so to go around the world and collect music and rip it and record it and see how it's going to work in my sets, I don't look at what everybody else is playing in their sets. Mm. You know, I'm looking to take the crowd on journeys, different places. And it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter what you play as long as the shit feel good. Mm. shouldn't matter if it's top 10, top 20. When you throw it on, when you throw on 80s music, when you throw on 90s, when you throw on 70s, it's a feel that's just magnetic. I don't, I don't know where it got lost that in translation in this era, but when you throw on... Michael Jackson off the wall album. Sure. When you even throw on uh, Luther Vandross, sure, never say. too much. Bam, bam. The way it starts off, the feel you felt, like when you listen to George Benson and you mm -hmm. was listening to those uh, Gimme the Nights and uh, Love Times Love, and you thinking about your childhood, the summertime, the, the picnics. The, these songs just bring you places. Sure. And to DJ and take people places like, oh, I remember this. Yo! And, you know, with Serato, it makes it easy because you can bring damn near whatever you want and you can play it in fractions. You don't have to play the whole song. Take them there for a minute. Take them somewhere else for a minute. Take them somewhere else for a minute. Take them somewhere else for a minute. You know what? I'm going to transition from here and go into this genre. I mean, DJing is like taking people on a trip and sure. you're the driver sure. you know you're seeing what works you're seeing what don't work and but it's nothing like that magic when it's working and they going crazy <clears throat> that's that's bananas man because i remember i did the soho house in manhattan you know and i'm rocking and you know it's this a tip cup there i'm like fuck tip cup there for and all night, shit, I seen people 20 here, 10 there. As they felt the music, they came by and they kept dropping tips. I was what like, the fuck? 
Yeah, I was like, damn, okay, all right, I get it now. But I was just there. Yeah, I was getting paid for the gig already. Yeah, yeah. You know, so to play something to make you have fun, that, that man, that was a bonus. See, that was like a meter. The meter was going up as you played better and better songs, man. Yeah, so. So what, what was your originally, okay, so you're growing up, you're in the Bronx, you know, uh, you're in high school, you definitely start rhyming, uh, you, you get in, you get mesmerized by DJing, and I remember you spoke mm-hmm. about how you've seen people carrying DJ's crates, and they always had a crew, and you felt, and you know, I mean, the DJ is the president, man, the DJ is, right. is, 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 but what did, where'd you even get equipment? Did you get equipment? Did you yeah, get, I wound up getting equipment. How'd that happen? Um, I just saved up my money. I remember getting me some curved arm techniques, mm. the B twos, nah, some other shit, man. Some I don't know. I don't remember how much I thought it was forty, fifty dollars per turntable. You got the old school Gemini mixer, okay, and you know, and to be nice back in there before you know twelve hundreds as we know it today. You had to be very light-fingered, you know, to catch the record because if you heavy-handed, when you touch the record, it's going to make the needle jump. So I'm quite sure some people had pennies on their needles. Some people had quarters to kind of keep the needle sure, down. Sure. But you still had to be very light-fingered. So to come from, from that era and then get some 1200s where it just felt like those shits didn't jump, I was that much more sharper. And so when people see me now, they go, you know, it's it's they turned it into like a trend now. So when they see me, they automatically think, oh, he's one of these dudes that all of a sudden wanted to start DJing. And it's like, no, I've been doing this. I can't speak for them other rappers, but, you know, them other, them rappers, because I ain't even a rapper. I'm an MC. But, um, nah, I love music. And I sit there, I do my own remixes, I do all types of blends and stuff that I play at events, and that's the leverage of being a producer also. True. I take a Seen acapella. Yeah, I could take a acapella and do my own crafted mix that you've never heard and slip that shit in the party and make people go, What the fuck is that? Now you somebody like Just Blaze does this a lot, you know, um, he has songs that never released, and sometimes he plays some of them. I'm sure you're sitting on tons of music that probably never even came out, or even some of your own stuff. Yeah, you I ever, was smart when, though. When you DJ, you ever push push them out? Um, sometime. I'm I'm funny style when it comes to playing <clears throat> something I've done. What are you saying when you said you were smart though? What do you? What, what? I was smart enough to to like this independent game. I was smart enough to release a lot of that stuff on limited vinyl. You know, limited, you know, limited, limited projects where I put something out that you never heard and I would press it and make a limited copy of it. And the value to that is a lot of that stuff is still high, Mm. you know, because you got to think when I was on Wild Pitching these labels, they ain't press a lot of law for that stuff. So now as time goes forward. You know, people still want it on vinyl. And if you look for a law finesse album, the first one. It can range. It can mm. range 80, 90, over 100. First 12-inch can range over 100 easy. Shit, they did a 45 in Germany of, I think, Baby You Nasty or something. Mm. I never had my own 45. That should go for 250. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. And I'm like, when did this shit happen? I ain't even get a copy <laughs> of this. You know, so I've learned with the limited pressings of what they was doing back in the days makes the record that much more value. And, and when you're sitting on the masters, the actual masters, you're not redoing something. You just remastering and make the shit sound even better than it was originally sonically. Mm. Mm. But it's the exact same thing. It ain't like you doing and you're remixing something and you, you disguising it as sure, the original. Sure. It's the actual original. You know, you speak about being an MC, and obviously, I mean, for those who know, know. For those who don't know, I mean, it's uh, you got to listen. I mean, look it up all over. I'm sure you're on streaming services too, Spotify, right? right. Title, etc. But you know, one of the most like crazy lyrics. I, I forgot what the remember the song you were talking about, peroxide and the. Oh, cut. you talking about I, underworld? Um, underworld album, Under, lyrical yeah, invasions yeah. blazing. I got you gazing. I'm so amazing. I break down opponents like equations. It's stunning. I weigh about a hundred eighty something. See you coming on your toes, kids. You're lunching. Stop fronting. You're trash at it. Get dropped like a bad habit. Have you falling like a craftmatic? Smooth as sadness. Players patent be in the Himalayan caverns with some chickens playing Sega Saturn. Yeah. Keep papes like the amount one in sweepstakes guaranteed. Every year, make triple what the police make. Large foot knock size. If I'm not rolling like a rock slide, I'm laying in the cut like peroxide. Colossal, soulful like gospel, spiritual. Follow the Lord like an apostle. I got the clock dough rock shows. I drop foes, drop flows that's deep like fucking potholes. Supreme being the one you hear but rarely seeing. Out the hustle, strictly money like the Koreans. Out the pal money, that's my style, Sonny. While you foul honeys, be lucky to get a coke and a smile from me. <laughs> Man, 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 man. I mean that. No, no, but you know what? When you really think about it, listen, and 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 this is, you come from the era where these, like you formulated words to mean something. People are like, holy shit, like, like the vocabulary is. Cr- how did how did you even learn some of that vocabulary? I think I hated English in school. Mm. I think. When I started learning the formation of compound words and how you can put words together, and I think the longer the words, the doper the pattern mm-hmm. was when mm-hmm. you was when you was making stuff sound like you know don't sleep like you could say don't sleep because I'm a fan of the music. Uh, me against you is like Yao Ming against Emmanuel Lewis. So mm-hmm. fan of the music, Emmanuel Lewis. Sure, sure. Like making words that don't rhyme, rhyme. Did that take, like, is that something that took a long time to happen? Because keep in mind, bring bring it back to, like, you're in the lunchroom rhyming. But you were just spitting off the head. How did you even become, like, just how you spoke about becoming a better DJ, how did you become a better, like, you know, artist, like a better lyricist, better MC? Um, I think studying studying uh, the dudes before me, like Kane, mm. Rakim, mm. um, G Rap, taking taking studying their stuff, even Karis One, the delivery, the attitude. I think it's taking the stuff, and and it's crazy because me and Kane had this talk. We we sat one day and we was talking about the art of writing rhymes. And that probably was probably one of the most prolific conversations because this came, you know, I'm telling him his rhymes, you know, when he said, when he did what he did in raw, when he did something with biz, like, I'm like, yo, what was you thinking? So we was talking about writing rhymes. 
And I said, when I write rhymes, I always feel like I was a boxer. Mm. Like I ain't want to keep throwing straight haymakers. The compound words is like jabs. You know, I'm jabbing you. I'm kind of slapping you. And then when I get to the end of the the end of the second bar, I'm hitting you with a jab and a wild left that you don't even see coming because you compound, compound, and then the the third compound is the punchline. Mm. So it's like and the wittier the wittier the punchlines, the more spectacular the impact. Mm. You know, because when you hear people rhyme now and they're they're rhyming, it's kind of predictable where they're gonna go. Like when listening like me and L, that was like you ain't know where we was gonna go sure. because we taking you on a journey and it's just wild. There's so many different formations of writing rhymes. It's not just the punchlines. It's the flow. It's the the most, I think, underestimated thing is the breath control. Mm. That's why, I mean, when I listen to artists these days is if you can't perform the song in a studio, I don't never expect you to perform it on stage. Meaning, when I say perform, like, people go in there with this this attitude of, like, okay, I said that line, punch me here. I said this word, punch me, punch me, punch, punch, punch. You got a cut-and-paste performance. Sure. There's nothing fluid about that performance. As a as an artist, like, I would take something like that, punch, 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 and I would live with it for a week or two. And when it was time for me to really take the song... You coming in there with this energy, this 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 performance down to the ante of what you want to do. It's a heartfelt performance. And since you know how to perform it, when you do it live, that performance is even more magical because you sound alive like on your records. Now, when you punch, 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 shit, I'll be praying for one of them dudes to try to do the song without they vocals under sure, it, because sure. I want to see these motherfuckers turn blue, red, because you don't have no breath control. You've been punching, 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 punching. So to try to do it and you ain't study the performance, oh, man, that's that's like showtime waiting to happen. But but wait, how, how the fuck did you learn all this yourself? I mean, like, how did you learn how to maintain that, like, breath control and put in the word how did you i mean i know you said you were inspired by you know some of the greats before you but but how did you did you how did you learn some of this shit because but keep in mind back then a lot of people didn't know about publishing get a lawyer uh sometimes you came short to the game on certain things i mean everything you might know about law finesse is a grind and a hustle mm-hmm that's why I take my music and I take everything so serious because I was never really backed by a machine where I felt confident that I'm good because they're going to take care of everything. It felt like that at the beginning, but you learned a lot of things by trial and error. So with music and writing rhymes and definitely business, it's, it's trial and error. Mm. It's... it's Man, it's it's so trial and error that you don't even know what you're getting into when you decide to get into the music thing because you're looking at it from one way. 
you know, you, you have skills, you might have a good producer. And then the first thing person says is I want a manager. And to me, that's, that's ass backwards, you know, and people say manager, manager, because people don't know the proper definition of what a manager is. A manager helps you manage shit. He manages your day-to-day. He manages your schedule. He makes sure your day is properly set. If you're a new artist, what the fuck he got to manage? Mm. You have nothing. You just starting. I always tell people you want a business visionary. Business visionary is somebody who understands who you are and what brands he connect he can connect to your skill set that would benefit you and also benefit the brand he's trying to connect you with, especially in this day and time of we in the world of brands. You got to know if you're looking at your music just to, okay, put it out there. You're not really looking at the big picture. I was, we had this talk this weekend is that um, people think the, the Bruno Mars record with Cardi B is a brand new record. When actually that record is two years old, mm. he just put a remix to it. And this is me and Jeff was just talking about this. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think of it like that. So what he did is he put a project out, but you put so many layers to your project that you keep it alive. If you don't do that, yeah, if you drop an album, that shit is going to be done in two weeks. You got nothing pushing it. You have nothing driving it. You know, so... It's definitely important to have a vision behind your project. Music is just like nowadays a stepping stone. But what are these stepping stones? Uh, they're supposed to have you step into new opportunities, different sure. things you can do. So when I build with artists, it's always have a vision. If you don't have no vision, you know, and you're looking at whatever you, everybody else is doing, that's just not going to last. Sure. You know? You ever think about uh, teaching in school? Like, uh, you know, being like a professor in music or any type of because the, it just seems like the knowledge you have is like could be amazing for like you know NYU has like a music right. class. Or, I'm surprised you've never been. I'm like, thinking you know, about it. I'm thinking you know, about young it. guru teaches. Right. Um, Bun B teaches. Um, Ninth Wonder teaches. I was thinking about taking it, traveling the world with it. You know. Because I just think the United States is spoiled capital. If I could find, um, if I could find an institute, because what I want to do, which I can't even tell you what I want to do, because it's very hands-on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the textbook shit is cool. Sure, but I didn't learn textbook. I learned hands-on. Mm-hmm. I learned. You know, when I learned about jazz, I learned about jazz from, like, show and premiere. I'm watching them do certain things. I think they're not they're not showing the people the culture of it all. Mm-hmm. He's showing them the hardware, the software, and the magical things that this shit does. But we could appreciate this shit, man. And this is where it gets crazy because let's go back to cable television. Let's go back to regular television. Mm-hmm. We had, like, what? Two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, thirteen, 13. maybe thirty-one, mm-hmm. and maybe some weird channels you picked up depending on how 55. good you. Yeah, okay, let's say fifty-five. Some Western shit. Okay, 
So when you bring us up to speed now and we looking at cable, whether it's Verizon or Optimum or whatever, you got two to three hundred channels. I, our appreciation for watching those two to three hundred channels way far surpassed this generation because they're not from the, the age of struggle. So they don't know what it's like to have those little bit of channels. The same thing resonates with technology. I know what it's like to be on an SB 1200 and 950, all these machines with limitations. Mm. So now when you put like the new Akai Renaissance and the MPCX and, you know, Ableton and all the software stuff, my creativity goes through the roof because I'm from a world of limitation. Sure. So all the shit I couldn't do before. Not now you can do them. I'm going to go back. So if I'm collecting records, my records, if my record collection is like 10, 12,000, you could times that by five to seven. I heard, all I the heard, shit I heard, you could oh, do. I heard, uh, I mean, in value that the collection is like 250,000 easy, right? 300,000. It could, it could range like that. You got to understand. And that was the magic, once again, of producing in the 90s is because we could take a rare record and use a rare record and loop it. And your record becomes a hit. That record becomes sought after. That record becomes sought after. The price goes through sure, the roof. The goes, yeah. It can go from 150, 200 shit. There's records out there worth thousands of dollars because the pressing is rare and it's a little bit pressed up. So sure. now if you've been collecting records for over damn near... 20 two, years. 20 years, two decades. It's it's a lot of records that I done collected that the price done went through the roof. Mm. You know, so. And you used to collect, I remember you used to say, you used to, used to be like, a, you know, on a show or whatever and, and drop two, three thousand at a record store. Shit, easy. I think on this route, this tour I just did, I dropped about, I would say about close to 2,500, just mm. picking up little pieces here and there. You know, I'm still a, a a lover of the music. That that's it's a culture. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I'm still gonna collect. Listen, you know what? Let's take a break. Listen, internet's we're sitting here with the one and only, the one and motherfucking only, Laura Finesse, <laughs> the funky technician. Listen, so many different things. We haven't even got you know. You know, what's so crazy. We haven't even gotten to so many fucking things you've done. But we're we're gonna try we and get back get into when we come that, back. You know, internet's we'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Cheer. This is the infamous Buckwild from the Digging in the Crates crew, and right now you're locked into the Premium Pete Show. Internet's welcome back. We're sitting here with my guy, my friend, Lord Finesse. Uh, well, man, we haven't even got to fucking so many things. First off, we, let's go back for a second. You, you're DJing, you're rhyming, like, and I know you did a bunch of battling, you know? Yeah. Well, wait, now, did you, did you want to become like a battle rapper when you were younger? Or you wanted to just be an artist? Like, was there a difference to you at the time? Like, you wanted to, like, make music and come out? Or you just wanted to be, like, a battle rapper? Because, you know, because that's something, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes battle rappers don't make, like, music. You know what I mean? They make, like, their bars are crazy. You know what I mean? Because that's where it started for me. When you thinking of of the era I grew up in, you thinking about, like, Melly Mel, Grandmaster Kaz, Kumo D. And they wanted to know who was the best. This was the record shit was cool, but you know, so that gets you into the world of battle rap because now it's like I'm coming up and I want my name to be known and I'm willing to squash anybody I have to do to make my name be known. And that's where it starts because it starts off as a culture with the ciphers and wanting to be great at what you do. 
And at the time, I think the greatness was more off record than it was on record. Mm, mm. So it was like, I ain't care really to make records. I wanted to New York. When you say Lord Finesse, people True. go, yo, nah, that Be nice. dude. Yeah. And, you know, but once again, it's short term. You don't have no business visionary. So you do that and then you ask yourself, well, what's next now? You know, they know I'm nice, but now you're seeing an artist with half a fraction of your talent with all the shit you trying to get mm. from a material aspect, sure. whether it's a vehicle, a house, or whatever, and you going, well, there's something going wrong here, you know? This dude, this dude is trash, mm. you know? And that's where it kicks in that your vision, your your journey, your destiny, gotta you got to have that in place before you get in this game or... It's like the hunter being captured by the game. And, you know, people go, oh, the hunter captured by the game. It's like picture the industry as a forest. Mm. And you're a hunter. Your goal is to go in the forest, hunt for food and shit, you know, go so you can eat. And you're in this industry and you get caught up because the forest looks so beautiful and it's roses and, oh, shit, look at the trees, the branches. And you fucking slip in the line coming each ass up because you wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that may be one of the most uh, National Geographic uh, ways I ever heard the fucking industry. But put. if but you get true. caught up in an industry, it can eat you up like that. You know, you mentioned something one time, and um, it's funny because met- many people have mentioned this shit, and I've really never had someone break it down. But you mentioned something about um, that. Um, hold on one second. I want to make sure I remember exactly. You know, you mentioned that the label didn't know exactly what to do with you. And right. I even heard you say that about label didn't know what they wanted to do with Big L. And I've heard other artists say, well, you know, at this time, the label didn't really know what they want. What the fuck does that mean? Well, what it is is that you can be the hype on the street, you know, and this was you just said it, how you have great MCs, but that has to translate into songs, that has to translate into your image. That has to... And if you don't have the right people that can identify with who you are and where, where they can take you, that's where you get caught. You know, like, with L, L got caught not because he wasn't talented. He got caught because it was in the midst of switching over, so... His project was really between Tyce Harris and Faith. Mm-hmm. And that's he was trapped off and they didn't sign him. So they don't have a vision of who Big Al is. They know lyrically he's 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 lethal. He's sure. nasty. But then now let's say you get a Nas come. Nas is probably one of the first artists I've ever seen with a superstar lineup. Mm. You mean in uh, production? Production. Mm. So now right. you're talking about a, a Nas is nasty, mm. you know. Mm. Well, you but now DJ you Premier. got Premier, Q-Tip, Lars Professor. Pete Rock. Pete Rock. So the hype went off a of Big Al because this is the superstar lineup with Nas. Mm. And then right after Nas, here come the Fugees. So L kept getting buried and pushed and buried where they just let him go because they ain't understand, you know. And that goes for a lot of different places you go there hoping they're going to understand and they're taking you 
to the fucking casino with your own money. Mm. Let's say you get a budget and, um, hey, man, we think you should do these records. Hey, this is the new hot producer. Let's get you in with this producer. They, they, they fucking gambling with your money. They don't know this shit going to work or not. It just seems like it's something good to bet on. You know, okay, he he's off this platinum album. Let's get one from him. Let's get a singer from over here. Oh shit, this this dude is hot right now. Let's get Drake. Let's get this. They're hoping that they can cut and paste you into success. Mm. But they're gambling with your money. Cause at the end of the day the shit don't work out. They say you didn't recoup. And you owe us and you looking like I ain't place a bet or a chip on shit. Mm. Y'all did Everything y'all wanted to do with my money. So how the fuck do I owe y'all? And I think that happens to a lot of artists. You know, they don't know what to do, man. I mean, you got to have a passion. You got to have a vision. Puff, man, greatest visionary, man. Why you say that for? Because when I look at Bad Boy and what he did with Craig and what he did with Biggie, what he did with Faith, what he did with Tuttle, with Total, what he did with Mace, he was a visionary. He had a vision. Now, once he wanted to become an artist, shit changed because <laughs> all that shit went to him. But, you know, to see what he did with Big and, and Craig and even Mary, let's go back to the Uptown sure, days. Sure. You know, Father MC. You know, so I I give credit where credit due. That dude's a visionary. You know, while we're on speaking on Puff, and uh, when's the first time you ever met Puff? Oh, shit, man. Wow. I've always ran into Puff here and there throughout my, you know, MC experiences of being in clubs in different places. But I think I really got to meet him when Jesse West brought me to him. Mm. And that was during his transition from Uptown to Bad Boy when he was working on the Who's the Man soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And I worked with Third Eye on Ease Up, and um, I did the Party and Bullshit remix. I got to really meet Puff. And um, Puff, like I said, great visionary. Um, I just think with Puff... I just think we were coming in at two different areas in each other's careers. You know, he's coming up, trying to start a label, also learn production. He was learning production. So at my time, when I was there, he's learning. You know, I'm already kind of, you know, I'm I'm skilled at what I'm doing and I'm I'm trying to fit in. I'm trying to find the right thing. And at, you know, at that time in my career, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and certain things worked and certain things Who didn't work. Who were you working work. with at the time? I mean, as far as career orientated, you know, I think, um, of course, you know, I went from Wild Pitch and then I went to Giant Records with Ice-T and Rhyme Syndicate. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time when I was with Ice-T and Rhyme Syndicate, I'm thinking we're going to be that 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 team, you know. And he put me in place to 
he put me in place. I wouldn't say to win, but he put Who, me. Ice-T, you talking about? Yeah, he put me in a better place, a way better place than where I was at. Sure. You know, taking me, helping me get off a wild pitch and going the giant. But I, I, I missed that mentorship. See, with being at wild pitch, I had premiere at all the sessions, making sure everything go back, go right, go go back the right way. And um, I just think with um giant, you know. They gave me too much free reign, and I needed more mentorship from Ice T. And at that time, New Jack City, Ricochet, Body Count, I couldn't get that mentorship that I needed to help me kind of carve my career the right way sure. to jump through. So that didn't really work. And I mean, to this day, I still appreciate him doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wish I had more mentorship from him. Um, and then, you know, you, I'm going into production now and, you know, I'm with Puff working with him on, on things and I'm learning certain things, trial and error, same thing. Gary Harris, you know, was the one who told Ice-T to bring me to Giant, you know, and as soon as I got there, he got let go. Mm. And then, um... I did the management thing. That's why I could talk about management because I won't say the person name, but I've learned that you can't give people too much authorization over your career. You have to always have somebody that's going to keep somebody honest. And in this way, I'm looking, you know, wild pitch ain't work. I'm looking at, you know, uh, the giant thing ain't working. I need a manager. And what wound up happening is I got called on to do a soundtrack. And um what this what soundtrack was that? It was a trespass soundtrack. Okay. Okay. So Ice T and um got me twenty five. Mm. The alleged person told me it was only fifteen. Mm. So now I did the original You Know What I'm About and it had Big L on it. And um, T-Ray produced it. And, you know, I thought it was good. You know, I'm on the source tour at this time with Buck Wild and my team. We doing this promo run. And they say, yo, this ain't, this ain't it. Got to do another song. And I'm like, well, fuck, man. I ain't going to have no fucking money left. I'm like Chris Rock and Dead President. Yeah, there ain't going to yeah. be no more fucking yeah. money left. If I got to go cut the song again, fuck, man. And they were like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Nah, man, because it's 15000 They gave me half. I did this. I paid. I'm waiting on the back end. Now I got to cut the song. Who told you it was fifteen? Mm. What you mean? That's what it was. No. We got you 25 mm. What? And I remember getting on a three-way with Ice and them and the manager, and he had to come clean. And that that just my trust in people just I lost a lot of trust in people because every which way it just just didn't seem like it was working. So sometimes people look at you and go, well, he's difficult or he's stuck in his ways. When How can you be stuck in your ways when so many things went wrong and somebody if they can't milk you or rape you? They really don't want to have nothing to do with you. 
And this is what you're constantly surrounded with. And that's not supposed to have no effect on your attitude or how you look at the game sure, or sure. people. Sure, you know? it makes you make. But, but let me ask you. Unfortunately, it's almost like being in a relationship for a guy or a girl. Right. They break your heart she, or he breaks your heart. Not every guy is the same as that. Were you able to, like, open up later on and keep an open mind? Because I know what you mean. Like, it made you look at people different. But maybe not everybody, as you moved on, was different. Were you able to, like, at least ease up a little bit? And, you know, or you were just very, you know, secure to what you wanted to do? I just think, um, I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust sure, you. Sure, sure. You know? So if you're on point with what you're going to say, then it's going to be great. I'm a, I'm a straight shooter. Mm. I'm going to tell you, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. Mm. I'm never going to tell you I'm going to do something and then hide behind putting you to voicemail and all that other shit. Mm. You know, so if you straight forward with me, and that's the thing, I think with business, it's not a lot of transparency. It's a lot of... um. They're not giving you all the variables, you know. And when I say the variables, the numbers. They're telling you, hey, it's going to do this, this, and that. And to me, I'm going to do the detail. You got to tell me in detail sure. what's going to be this, what's this, what's this, what's this. And it, it's funny. One joke I, I have and I always say, it's funny that you could talk to somebody. You ever talk to somebody about a deal and you could kind of, you feel it out, and, and I know people witnessed this shit before. It's like you're talking to somebody and you're talking business, and the minute you ask a question about something to pertaining to the business, they start talking fast. Mm. So we're going to do this, that, and the third, and this and that. But what about this? Now, don't worry about this because then you'd be like, yo, fuck is this <laughs> nigga talking fast for? What the fuck are you saying fast that you can't say slow? Sure. And it's just, it's just like a con man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to do this and that. All right, but when this happened, now nah, don't worry about this because my man here and we're going to do this and then Now nah, don't worry about that. Mm. So it's just like when you talk to me like that, it's like it's, it's weird. It's funny style, you know, because when I deal with people on a business level, I could tell you everything about the business. I could tell you. Here's this, here's this, we're going to do this, you're going to get paid this. I'm cutting clean, you know, and a lot of people, I think, come with the back-end deals. Now, don't worry about this because, you know, at the end of the day when this happens, but there's no guaranteed at the end of the day. Mm. And you, like, so if you try to get me to do something, I'll weigh out the situation. But I can't weigh out all back-end deals because everything back-end, on the back-end, on the back-end. But whatever you get me to do, I'm doing now. Mm. So imagine if you want me to work and I say I'll work on the back-end. You wouldn't get no project. True. So I think a lot of times people want want you to work up front and there's no guaranteed on the back-end. And that's dangerous because after you done put in so many work on different situations and deals and you ain't. And then when you finally speak up and you want your money on the front end, you become a problem. Yo, man, I'll do it, but I need X, Y, Z. I don't know. I'm straight up. Yo, what's your budget looking like? What you talking? Mm. 
I'm not giving you no chance. I don't want to hear no sob story. It's just like, you want me to do this? What are we talking here? I'm not going to let you give me the long haul story. See, we're trying to do this and for the culture. And they, they, they get you with the culture shit all the time for, for the culture. And, and, and everybody has an idea of getting paid. And that's the, that's the bullshit about it all. Even a blog person mm. has a vision of getting paid. True. A blog person is going to get paid off of content. Depending on how much traffic comes through his blog on the content. So with anybody that has a plan on getting money, why don't they ever add you in the equation of getting paid too? And it's like, and that's the disappointing part I feel about the industry now in certain cases. Sure, I won't sure, say, no, 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 it's not say no. all cases because he's, he's painting the whole industry like the whole industry is like that. But nah, everybody wants something for nothing. Mm, mm. It's like, I, I give you one more analysis, right? I'm hard on people that do mixtapes. And I'll explain to you why. When we came out with mixtapes, cassette tapes for CDs, you know, or when you did a demo, you did a demo of three to five songs on the cassette, right? Three to five songs you shopped at to try to get you a deal. You looked on records, got the address down. You did all that. Okay, now let's speed it up to now, right? You knew what it took to do those songs because you spent money, studio time, everything. So now when I look at somebody that does a mixtape, which I'm giving you a short version of the story, you know, drag it out. But when you do a song of a mixtape and it's 12 to 16 songs on the mixtapes, that's 12 to 16 opportunities to show the world you the baddest motherfucker ever. 12 to 16 opportunities to show the world I could do this song, I could do that, I could do whatever you want me to do. Okay. How can I take you serious when you're on your third mixtape? Because that's telling me you got even motherfucking 36 or 48 songs out there and you still don't got no fucking buzz. How can I take you serious? You know, it's uh, that's a great segue to mention years ago. And it's funny because I feel like this is still to this day. But years ago, people were pressing you to show them, you know, like let, let them spit for you or, or show them right. material. You know, a lot of times I think I think you said that somebody like you you wouldn't let people rap for you like they had to go to somebody else or it had to like to, right. to get explain the reason where I'm going is with Big L. Right. So what I mean by that is like, you know He was probably one of the people that cut through it, yeah. he cut through like How a, the fuck did uh, he do that? Explain because for people who may not know you founded Big L. And when I say founded, meaning like, right. you know, founded the artist, founded his skill set, took a liking to him, right. took him to the next level. I'm I'm still like that. Like, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of artists because I'm, I'm so disappointed. 99 out of 100 chances, I'm just disappointed with what I hear all the time. Mm. You know. How they, did L make it past that, uh, that, that tunnel? Um, confidence. He had supreme confidence, and I wasn't approached in that manner ever where, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, 
oh, you nice? Okay, I'm going to give you this dude number. You know, send your demos to him. He's going to tell me what is if it's dope or not. And if it's dope or not, I get in contact with you. And I'm still serious. I do that, you know. So um, he was like, you know, he sent this boy back. Oh, he ain't even come to me. He sent his boy to, to translate this transaction, <laughs> you know. So his boy walks over to him. I hear him tell his boy something. The boy listening to him, he comes back over to me. He said, fuck that, man. He said, um, he knows he's nice. He's so nice. If he rhyme for you and you don't like him, he'll never fuck with you again. I was like, oh, shit. All right. Let me hear him. And at the time, they had like a setup in the back of the record store. Mike, turntables. And he's just, he's going off. And what I seen in him, I seen somebody that was way hungrier than I was at my age, at his age. And it it began from there. And it was like, really, the first person kind of mentoring or, or, or snatching up and taking them with me everywhere, like... A was like my partner. AG was like, everybody know that was like my rhyme partner. Sure, sure. And A stood like A was his own dude. Like, you know, A had what A had. A had a following, you know. With L, nobody really knew who L was. And I'm trying to describe to people that this is the dude. And most people got out of it that he sounds just like you, though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm like, nah, I wasn't like this at this age so it was a lot of three-way phone calls with me him show people with a crew because you know and i mean people took what i was saying seriously because i wasn't big up in just anybody you know you had to be nice True. and i was arrogant so for me to say you somebody nice, is yeah. nice it's like wait 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 you saying this dude is this and i'm like Yes, this dude is that. Why? Why do you think uh, you, you you know you said that you know he you didn't that when you were his age that you didn't have that uh you know what ambition or desire or, or it's not that it's being able to study the people before you. Sure, it's like me studying King Kuji rap and Rakim becoming Lord Finesse, and it's somebody else studying me. Becoming a better version of of sure. me. What did you he ever say? Why, like, why? Why do you think he had that determination? Well, he was also a Kane fan, so mm -hmm. I fell right in the the pocket sure. of of Kane, you know. And to me, it was just hearing somebody rhyme at such a young age, and the way his bars was crafted, like it 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 was polished for his age, mm -hmm. you know. So when I heard him, it I heard something different. I heard I seen an upside mm. that nobody else seen. Because if he's like this at this age, he's gonna be dangerous, especially being around me, learning certain things I can show him. Sure, sure. You know, um I you mentioned before that um it took two you know, I heard you say it took two years for him to write a bonix. Yeah. Right? Why, why did it take so, that long for somebody like Perfectionist. Mm. He ain't want no bar to lag. He ain't want, like, any verse to have a drop-off. So this verse is perfect, and I need another perfect verse. 
Like he was very trying to perfect that song, which he did. But he wasn't rushing to throw it together like he had a timeline to do it. It's just like, nah, this verse is right. I got this much of this left and, you know, so I got it, you know. And him releasing his own independent records gave him freedom to feel what was out there for him. True. Versus being there at Sony, we're going to release this single, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. No, I'm going to release this record. This is what I feel. And he just seen the temperature and the temperature was rising man it was it was hot out there because now people like yo this is dude he's having come on man he's having cypher battles around his block with you know organizing cyphers between the locks and dmx and cam and so and jay you know jay wasn't there right jay him and jay battled you know um so and you were there every, every nah, battle. Nah, I wasn't there at every battle. I wish I was there for the Jay Z battle. I would love. To I mean, see it's not talked one. about a lot too. I remember like when we spoke about mm, it with no. Combat. Like it's not like something that even Jay it's, talks about. It's not I mean, and we and, I, and then both of us, I, I feel like you know, respect the hell out of Jay, but it's like something that's never ever even yeah. talked about. I figured it was a it was a good one because I know as a competitor, if you beat somebody hands down, you scrape them, you scrape them. Sure, we talk about it. So. If you're not talking about it like that, you know, that means somewhere along the guy, it had to be a good battle because any good battle must be, yeah, sure. yeah. must be spoken about. You know, you mentioned before about certain um, labels not knowing what to do with people, and L, Big L was one of them. Did he ever get down and out like where he, where you saw him, where he knew his skill, his skill set, but maybe he was like, yo, this industry is kind of fucking. Sure. You know, I mean, did you, sure. How, how, did you have to keep him, like, you know, his head on straight or, you know, give him some advice or help him out? Well, I mean, he was, I mean, Al, Al had a vision. Mm. You know, sure, you can get discouraged by certain things. And I think he got discouraged at one point, but he ain't let that setback be a major setback, a permanent setback. It's just like... When he learned he could put out his own records and do exactly what he wanted, I think everything changed at that point. You know, another thing I remember you saying and uh, that things that stuck with me, man, like, you know, that, that I heard you talk about Big L and, uh, you know, because obviously how much influence and, you know, and how you brought brought him to the light um, is when, the, and this is probably a couple of weeks before he passed, I remember you saying that, uh, he uh he was like yo you good like he was asking you yeah. like yo like you were in the car I think this was a couple of weeks be- a week yeah a week or two before he passed it's probably a week or two before he passed like yeah and your reaction he, tell that story if you don't um I was dropping him off in in Harlem and you know well you know he got these records out you know he got his his independent records lined up after those records dropped. When I milked this, I got my other singles, and he was telling me about um, the deal he was about to do with, with Dame and Jay, mm-hmm. you know, where he wanted to bring C-Town and I think McGruff, and they wanted him. So the goal was to put out these singles so he could keep his buzz going while he was inking the mm-hmm. new deal. Focused. He was focused. 
And I just remember, you know, telling me about these independent records he dropped. He got the money coming in and, and yo, Ness, man. And, you know, he thanked me and, you know, and he just asked me, was I good? And I was like, what you mean? You good? I'm like, what you mean? And, and you know, from a money aspect, I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm great, you know? And it, it just, it was definitely a point where I felt like, wow, you know, here it is, the dude I used to pick up from high school on a half a day asking me, am I good? And it, it felt good to know that one of my blessings in, in life, in the music journey, really came off, you know? Mm. Not saying I didn't do a lot of things, but to see certain things start to blossom and go in the right direction, it made you feel like, damn, I'm part of this. Mm. And that made me feel good alone. It wasn't even what he, what he offered, you sure. know? Proud of him. Right. You know, um, it's crazy, too, because I remember you saying that, you know, your grandmother had passed away and Big Al was the one that's trying to keep you up. Like, you know, I know you right. kind of lost a little love for the game for a minute and yeah. uh, dealing with the loss. You know, it's even more crazy. I don't even want to go off topic, but you lost your mother and father at a young age. You lost your grandmother and you even lost Big L. Right. You know, um, grandma wasn't from what your, your your parents or from what Big L was from, but Big right. L and your parents were same type of situation. I mean, right. have you ever, has that ever bothered you where you ever went to therapy for like any type of stuff like that? It's crazy you I'm just asking that. you. Somebody just asked me that last week. And they was asking me, do you feel you got... They was more asking, did, after your grandmother passed, did you go to therapy? And I'm like, no. And they was like, do you think it it affected you not going? And I, I to this day, I can't answer that question. I, I don't know. Sure, sure. You know, I never really... I just know a part of me was gone when she was gone. Sure. Because, you know, somebody raising you your whole life, it's just no way to describe when this person is no longer there how you feel. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy. And uh, the craziest thing I would say, um, what's the craziest part is you can have a million incredible memories about this person that raised you your whole life. But all that comes in your mind at the end is those hospital visits and you seeing them not in the best shape. Even though you got a million of these other incredible memories, this is the one you keep seeing. And that's, that's weird to me, you know? You know, this is totally different, but it's on a similar path. It's almost like we could put a post out and get a thousand good comments but you get one bad comment that's all you focus on you right. don't even focus on a thousand where people are like yo love finesse yo you're the man yo inspired me you helped right. me this you want somebody to come in and say fuck you finesse you're a piece of shit and you won't even focus on all those great comments you see but that's that's something that not just I mean that's something that you have to learn sure. to let go sure 
you know, if it's not going to matter to me in five years, I'm not going to really spend five minutes sure. on it. And and I don't want to. And I had to learn that sure. because social media, somebody say something negative and it's an automatic yeah, you're like, thing. Yeah. You got to respond. Not everything needs to be responded. Nah, they, they, they need that energy from you and yeah. you can't give them that energy. You got to like, you know. Because you spending your time, you could spend that time on something productive, sure, something sure. phenomenal. And you spending it with somebody who probably got like seven followers and shit that sure. irked your nerves. Like, you know, you got to leave it alone. I, I hit block in a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. I ain't fuck ain't out of no, here. Like, ain't ain't nothing wrong with that. But even like, and, and again, that's not the comparison of uh, memories and moments of someone passing away. Right. I'm just using an example of like how, and because uh, I agree with you, like, like I don't even know how to mourn. We weren't taught how to mourn. Right. Like, you know, you weren't taught how to mourn. You just miss your grandmother. You right. know, you miss Big L. You know, you may even miss your parents. You didn't get to right. know them that well. But you don't, how do you mourn? Like, you know what I mean? Do you just drink? Do you just think of them? Do you just do a memorial for Big L? You know, you know, even like with combat, you know, it's like, yo, I try to, you know, sometimes I'm like, damn, you know, like social media moves so fast. Right. I post something about yo. People probably like, all right, enough of this posting. Like, he's because so, when someone's gone, they're like, all right. It's like a week later, people are like moving right. on, you know, and and nothing. Yeah. I, they should move on, you know, to, in life. But it's like I don't think we're again. I'm not saying we go to a class, but I don't think we're taught how to mourn. Like, nah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know how to. I don't think so either, because even you know, um, when it happened. You were I, there, actually, I, not to cut you up, but you were there. Like, you went to where the body was. Like, right. I how, was how the there fuck did you in both situations. Quick? Like, my grandmother passed in front of me. Wow. And then with the L situation, when I came, he was still covered. The sheets, the sheets were still on him. Like, and, you know, and like I said, it was me. I'll never forget. It was me showing Fat Joe standing there, like, just in denial. You know, so I don't I don't think it's a way to mourn, man. All you could do is push forward. Like I don't I wouldn't know how to tell somebody how to mourn somebody. Only thing you could do is just push forward and move as though they with you and you doing the things they would want you to do. That's, that's the only thing I could sure, do. Sure. You know? And, you know, a lot of things you know, a lot of values my grandmother taught me, I just try to apply them. I sure. try to, she, you know, and even the things L, you know, L is just something. I just laugh when I think of L because mm. he was just that spirit. He was that funny spirit. It's so many jokes, so many laughs, like snapping and yo dogs. That's all I'm I'm hearing in my mind. Yo dogs. You know, so with Al, it's just funny, man. It's just I listen, can listen to his records today and just remember what his facial expression was like when he was doing this mm. stuff and and his attitude and like it, it's, it's, it's just crazy with Al. Al is, Al is just a whole different spirit. What's the favorite, what's the, your favorite track that you made with him? Because you made a bunch. Shoot. I mean, Yes You May will probably have to be, and I ain't producer, T-Ray did it, but that was like his coming out party. And I just remember him being in that booth saying that shit 
Like, and I'm like, damn, you know, because I heard him rhyme. But the way he penned that shit everywhere that I go, brothers know my fucking name. Foreign niggas in the only way a buck can change. <laughs> I gave a lot of black eyes in my starting days. Fucking with me, a lot of niggas was sporting shades. I grabbed the microphone and scar jerks. Niggas running up, put me on. What the fuck is the star search? I relieve rappers like Sudafed. And if the microphone was smoked, then Big Ella be a Buddha head. Yo, I cruise real smooth like mopeds. I was rocking rhymes since niggas is wearing pro keds. I only roll with originators. Chicks stick to my dick like magnets on refrigerators. Like, <laughs> just Yo, big L, man. hearing him Damn, come out man. and say that, and I'm sitting there on the other side of the glass going, this nigga's trying to just straight destroy this shit. Like, that, that presence, that performance, that intro to let the world know who he was is just powerful. Mm. Mm. It's just powerful. He just absolutely... Murdered that from beginning to end, you know. Man, rest in peace to Big L, man. I mean, um, you know, I just still never understood, like, why somebody from his own neighborhood would, you know. I mean, I I do understand because shit happens. It's not like, but uh, I just, I don't know, man. Rest in peace to Big L. You know, back back to uh, uh, Puff, when's the first time, you you know, you've done a bunch of, you've done a couple of tracks with uh, Big. When's the first time? That uh, you ever met Big? Wow. Um, I met Big hanging with Jesse West. Jesse West, you know, people might not know who Jesse West is. He's part of a group called Third Eye. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jesse coming down to my crib on 57th Street. I was on 50, 50, 58th and 10th, actually, mm-hmm. across from John Jay. And I remember him coming listening to these beats like, yo, man. Yo, Puff got this artist big, you know. Yo, you got some shit in here. You need to come play some of this shit for Puff. And I'm like, okay, cool, you know. So I meet Puff. He's in the Uptown office playing these beats. And he's like, yo, I want him to work with Big. And I ain't I ain't know who Big was. I'm like, who, who Big, you know. Mm. And I just remember meeting this dark, heavyset dude. Cooler than a motherfucker, man. I mean... You know, because I'm a Bronx dude, he's a Brooklyn dude, and you already know how that scenario sure, always sure. played out. <laughs> you know, Bronx ain't really like Brooklyn, Brooklyn ain't like Bronx, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, I come in and I meet this cool motherfucker, man. The spirit, his, his, his character is just, he's just cool, man. And it just always felt more of a hangout party atmosphere than it felt like a studio session. Mm-hmm. Because we we had a lot of great times and incredible times. I mean, when we first did "Come On, Motherfuckers," um, when with him and I want to play a little snippet that you know. I, I want to play a little snippet of that. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that I bring? Make an MC wanna sing for a living. Take the beat down, we fucking give it. Come on, motherfuckers, motherfuckers, come on. Did something you had already or you Um, nah, man, like some certain stuff I had, I think the greatest thing as a producer is being able to tailor fit something for an artist right then and then. Mm. That's the magic. 
because it wasn't nothing you had. It's something you felt. It's an idea they told you. It's a record you grabbed and you put it together and it worked. And it was magic. And it wasn't like, hey, man, I'm going to get another beat because probably Ness got like 10 beats like that. No. Sure. That was tailored and crafted. Like, you know, come on, motherfuckers, was tailored and crafted from the drums on. And if you look on YouTube, there is a video clipping of us in the studio when I'm laying, come on, and suicidal thoughts in the same session. And you got Big and Jess West and all of us there, and we cracking jokes. Big is just, he's at this point, he's um giving it to uh, pause. Uh, Good pause. He, he's, um, he's, he's letting Tone for Track Masters have it. Like, mm. yo, how does this dude is trash and, you know, and it's just his, his way of saying it. And then you got D-Rock there. Nobody yeah. knew who D-Rock was. He got the hood. And he's pulled over in the corner. He's like, yo, my man, a burn red hot lover tone. Like, and I just remember that session. I was in the hit factory. And um, I think Dream Hampton got a lot of that footage. Really? Did he yeah. know who you were when he seen you? Yeah, he he definitely. That's knew the thing I, was. Cause I heard that a lot. Like big, like if like when, when he's like met somebody, he's like, "Oh come on, man, I know who you yeah, are." Yeah, like, like nah, he had a love for the game. He definitely knew who I was. He just didn't know how crafty I was on a production side. Mm. He he laid his vocals, but you in the uh, in, in the come in, on, in motherfuckers! The between him and Sadat, they laid that mm. suicidal thoughts. I wasn't there in the session. The beat was laid. But all I, I I got a chance to hear when it was just finally done. Let's play a snippet of that too, man. That's like when I die, fuck it, I wanna go to hell. Cause I'm a piece of shit, it ain't hard to fucking tell. It don't make sense going to heaven with the goody goodies dressed in white. I like black Tims and black hoodies. God'll probably have me on some real strict shit. No sleeping all day, no getting my dick licked. Yo, you know what's crazy about this is, and and we spoke about this uh, before, but like. That song is so dark, man. Like that song is like, it, it, it's so ill. But at the same time, I'm like, damn. Like, finesse had to be in like a, a depressed, depressed mode to make this this beat. You know, I feel like, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, like did, you didn't know it was gonna. You, you didn't hear the vocals. You didn't, nah, you, know. you gotta understand. It was. It's different. It's different. Different zones I was in during that time. Mm. You know. Um, <clears throat> I work on feel. I work on sound. So if you want a certain, if you could tell me the mode you in from an emotional standpoint or you could describe your song, I can craft the music around just what you're telling me. You know, okay, he's talking about this. He's talking about that. Oh, he's excited. He's braggadocious. So I'm going to hit him with this. It's always been a feel with me when it comes to music. And I honestly think Big was taking that. I played him some other shit. He was like, that one, that's it. And I was like, you know, I done heard the what. I done heard um, Warning. Mm. I done heard um, the original version of me and my bitch when he he did it with the uh, mini Rippleton sample. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, how the fuck does this fit within all of that? I'm ready to, uh, was it on Ready to Die? Right? <clears throat> yes, Ready to Die. And the closing song. Yeah, and he made it fit. And I was like, wow. How, how did you find out? Did they call you like and say, hey, we're going to use it? Somebody called me and said, yo, your joint made the album. It was like the, the ending joint. Mm. 
And I was just happy to be a part. It wasn't even knowing if he was going to go gold or platinum. It's just being proud that you made the cut on something that you felt was going to be an incredible album, mm. you know, because of what you heard already. Mm. And to know that your cut made it and you there, and, you know, because I heard all Easy Mo B shit, and I'm like, damn, man. Easy Mo B a beast, man. And before that, we in uh, Howard Homecoming, and he got the Big Mac, the promo yeah, with, Craig, with, with the Craig shit on one side and the Biggie on another side. And I'm, I'm hearing an album, you know, that little promo shit. And I'm like, damn, I'm on that album. Oh, shit. Wow. I want to hear what he did with it, you know? So what, what, did you, <laughs> what was your thoughts when you heard it? Genius. Mm. I, I, I ain't see that one. It's like you got sucker punch. Like I ain't see what he was going to do with that. So you did two. You did total two tracks uh, with Big, you right? Know, you, you, well, I did the partying bullshit oh, that's right, you remix. Did the part- okay. I did come on the original one, and then suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all legendary tracks. You know, moving over because we're gonna wind this episode down. Or else I'm gonna keep you here forever. We gotta yeah. do a part two one day. Yeah, we can do that. You also got to um, work with Dr. Dre, right? And one of. Uh, you know, one of many, many stories that hearing now now Dre brings people down for 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 you know a, mm. a lot of time. How mm. does that work? Like you just go down there for like a, a couple of weeks, like Dre. You get paid by what you're well what, what beats or you know how does that work? I know a couple of people that have gone down like that. Well, pause. You know, I think <laughs> in my bed. Uh, um, with Dre, I met with Dre in probably April, mm-hmm. and we talked. You know, mutual friend is always Mailman. That's my dude. You know, and he was like, yo, play some of that L shit you've been playing for Dre. So I remember being in a house in, in Hollywood Hills overlooking Hollywood. I played a ton of shit. And he was like, yo, man, you got enough for like four albums there. Mm. And he was like, yo, what you think of the idea coming out here? And I'm like, coming out where? Like, L.A., could you see yourself... Being out here, living out here, shit, why not, you Mm. know? So that's how, that was the initial invitation. And next thing I know, he got me a spot in um, Burbank. Mm. So so like a place to live? Yeah. And what about your place home? Like what about the rent for that? Yo, you know, I I took care of that, you know, Mm. like... It's just an opportunity of a lifetime sure, people sure. would pay for, and that's how I took it. And how long were you there for? I was there for five months. God damn! And, um, and 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 the song that came out of that, and you know, nah, that wasn't even in the the message been done. Okay, this was twenty thirteen. This was like recent. oh recently, yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah. Did, so did, what came out of that? Did the I don't know, man. I mean. With that dude, man, how can you inspire somebody that don't have a sense of urgency? Sure. You know? Sure. That's the best way to put it is because he has a love for music, but he don't have to do music. Mm-hmm. You're right. So it comes and goes depending on how he feel about doing it. So one point, you like, hey, let's do this album. Another point... Yeah, I'm put this in the back burner at the time. It was the headphones. It was the movies. It's just sure. different things. The route to being a billionaire. 
So I get it, but how does that play for the players in the studio, mm. the people in the studios? Because if he's doing music and he's putting something out and you got a couple of cuts, and that's great. Publishing opportunities, great. But if you there working and working and working and he ain't putting nothing out, how does that play out for you? Sure, sure. Because he's got to think of other people also. And to me, it was just like, it's time for me to go home. I probably could have stayed. But you taking a lot of time. I'm I'm on call like a doctor. Mm, mm. Like, you know, I'm waiting for the phone call. All right, we in the day at 2. So if we in the day at 2, that means means normally I'm there at 1. I want to, like, I'm type, I feel if you put your best foot forward, there is no regrets. In anything in life, if you did the best you could and the shit ain't work out, what the fuck are you regretting, man? Just It's just a part of life. Chalk it up. Mm. And that's how I look at that situation. It's like I did what I felt I could do, and I'm wasting too much time. He's straight. He's going to be a billionaire. I'm, I got to get back so to being— you got shit to do. Yeah, I'm mild-mannered producer out there and you know here i'm a little finesse i'm a superhero here mm. you know so it's just learning how to shift between different levels you know but you have previous work you did with him uh let's yeah. drop the message message with the uh, on the uh, chronic 2001 yeah with mary and rel we fought like brothers something we never should do we could have used time spent arguing telling the truth he had talent too i had plans of watching him blow don't know what hurts more seeing them leave or watching him go yo this song uh is spe- first of all what what instrument is that that uh it's a harp. It's okay. a harp sound. That harp sound official. Yeah. Can, can you quickly tell the how did how did that song even come to life? You this is previous. You were in the studio back in L.A., right? Well, no. What it was that song was recorded already. Oh, that, that was, was song your, that, that for was, my song. Okay, that was and, yours. Yeah, and they said you know Melman was like yo Dre really likes that. I mean, I'm looking at it like that shit gonna do way more his shit than my shit. <laughs> shit, you gotta think like a businessman. Yeah, that's that's how it worked, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, and and that was that that um particular publishing all that that right. obviously was straight. That did good, right? For you. Right? Yeah, that that still does great. Um, <laughs> I remember you telling a story of uh you um yeah, publishing because some people may not understand publishing and yeah. and and points and. Abscap, and I remember you saying that you went to the mailbox uh, with your slippers on. Yeah. And you opened up a check, and you're like, all right, I'm going to walk to the bank with my slippers on. Yeah, you you know, it's just like, you know, it's just one of those checks you see like, yo, wow, nice. Mm. You, you kind of taking a triple take, like making sure this shit ain't no clearishes. What's that, clearish in the house? Clearing house. Yeah, you you get one of those mails back in the yeah, day. You think fake, that shit was a check and shit and wasn't? That guy, I forgot the name, yeah. Dave. Or I forgot that. I know you talking about. Yeah, so about. I'm looking at it like, is this real? Can I really cash this? Mm. Man, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, so 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 many years in the game, so many different. I mean, even digging in the crates, man. Starting digging in the crates, being being someone who, uh, you know, I mean, obviously people say the leader or the creator of digging in the crates. Um, you know, 
why why was digging in the crates never a label like you know like um did you ever think of like something like that like i don't think we once again being a business visionary i don't think we was thinking that far it was happening so quick and i think with a lot of you know i think when you do this you gotta have that point person you know making sure everything was right john digging in the crates is uh you uh producer buck wild um, show, show, diamond, diamond, fat Joe, fat Joe OC, OC, and Big L. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, rest in peace. What do you got? What what, what projects you working on now? Um, shoot, man, I'm I'm working on something called the Inevitable. That's the law finesse project I want to do. I want to call it the Inevitable. It's a, it's a story behind that. We'll do that next time. And sure. I want to work on a a project called Soul Synopsis. Uh, soul synopsis is like psychedelic soul. I want it abstract. I want progressive chords. I want, I want like it's like motherfucking uh, shit. Like Justice League meets Dr. Dre meets, you know, it's very, very spaced out, very soulful, and um, that's the most I could say right now. It's a lot of different techniques behind what I'm gonna do with the music, and you know it'll have rappers on it. It'll it'll have um, it'll have singers on it. Mm, mm. But it's it's real. If you like the awakening, I'm doing that in a whole nother format. Like it's still melodic, but it's gonna be oh man, like shit. I can't even begin to explain what I'm doing and maybe that's going to be the surprise of it all. You purchase it, you pick it up. But mm. Now what are you on uh, Instagram? Uh, Lord Finesse D-I-T-C? Yep, and that's Instagram, that's Twitter and mm. Facebook. Mm-mm-mm. Lord Finesse D-I-T-C. Get at that boy Lord Finesse, man. Listen, um, the journey is 20 plus years. The journey is you, you, <laughs> and I say this to a lot of people who I really mean it, like you came from nothing. Never right. gave up, you know what I'm saying? Traveled the world, you know, uh, been through some hard times, but overcame them. Um, I mean, lyrically, uh, you've done a lot of things that probably people right. could could have never done, man. you got to be real proud of that. We spoke about that earlier, well, but that's something to be real proud about. Something know, I, I, just, I just try to push that energy on people like it ain't over until you say it's over. Fuck what everybody else saying. Mm-hmm. It's over when you say it's over, that's when it's over. But if you feel you could do whatever you want and you feel like don't don't let nobody discourage you and tell you anything because I'm I'm a blueprint that this it still goes down. It still it still happens and we need that because right now I'm hoping to inspire other people so when you get a certain age you don't say well I want to do music but I'm too old. It's not that. Don't let the industry tell you it's an age limit to this shit because it ain't Mm, 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 it's an age limit to that goofy shit they doing but i just think if you really love music and you got a fan base why not continue to feed your fan base you know because we don't have too many artists where you get to a certain age and go when i get that age i'm you know we got jay-z as a prime example you know that you can still do music. You sure. got you got fifty. You got Nas. Sure. You know, but they don't consider them old for some reason. You know, 
And this, we just talking about the difference between consistency and years. Sure. But from an age bracket, we're all around the same age. But we need more examples that older artists can do whatever they want and stop looking for the approval of a child. Mm. Mm. Amen. Mr. Law Finesse, the one and only funky technician. I appreciate you, my brother. Uh, salute, man. Appreciate you, sir. See you next episode. Cheer. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Again, that email is thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on the Premium Pete Show? Email me at thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com and let's get working. Okay, make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms or podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend, and we'll see you next episode. Cheer.